You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. Welcome to the Pitch Stack Podcast, episode 24. Today we got a ton to talk about. We've got Pro Tour results. We've got the reveal of Dynasty. Matt, how are you doing? Can you hear me much better this time? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we got that part fixed. Uh, computers running up and uh, running good now, so... No audio issues. Oh, very excellent. excited for the uh, the future of Fab. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting, right? Uh, Briar wins the Pro Tour uh, on the back of Matthew Folks's play, and um, and then we immediately at the calling afterwards we see Prism take it home, beating a. Uh, I don't know how to put this other than unlikely amount of Briars to take it home and reach Living Legend. Um, so Prism, no longer legal in CC. Uh, Briar, I thought, would be the deck. And I think a lot of people thought that. Uh, and so it seems like the metagame has made a huge shift towards uh, Ice Daddy. Uh, you know, Oldham. I gotta say, if you're listening, Joris, that was some incredible gameplay. Thank you for bringing Prism to Living Legend, and you squeaked out that win at the very end. That was awesome. Oh, yes. Very well done. Um, Some of us aren't happy about it, but you did do a good job. (laughs) Well, you can uh, still play her in Blitz, you know. Oh, yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm pretty interested in the metagame right now. It seems that the deck that is best against Oldham is Jermai. Um, and Jermai has a whole bunch of terrible matchups. And the metagame is really, 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 really weird right now. Um, it seems to be Oldham, Briar, Jermai. Uh, and then I, I've seen Icelander top eight a little bit. Uh, but it's like we reverted back in time a year, you know? Yeah, it does feel weird. Um, Dromai, I feel like, is staged well into a number of matchups, but she struggles desperately against heroes that want to uh, land their hits, and she kind of just gives a free opening for that to happen. Uh, when it comes to ninja, when it comes to rune blades, it's uh, it's it's not ideal, is what I would say. Yeah, she absolutely destroys the ice decks. Um, you know, uh, Lexi, Icelander, Oldham. Uh, but then when you come against Briar and Fi, who uh, I guess you could you can add Dory in there. Um, they kind of round out the the metagame currently, or at least the S tier decks. I mean, obviously Bravo and Viserai are close behind that. Um, I, it's, it's weird. I don't know how to feel about it. I certainly don't know what deck to play. I kind of feel like I, 
I'm a little I'm a little briared out. Um, maybe I try out Jermai and put it together. Maybe that's the way to go. But yeah, I don't I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's interesting <clears throat> that the um, two pro tours that we've had so far, both won by Rune Blades. Now, if there's a pattern, hopefully in the next pro tour next year, Viserai wins that one. Maybe I'm yeah. optimistic, but we'll see. And then we'll be rune bladeless. Uh, <laughs> theoretically, I mean, isn't that maybe? Maybe that's what the the plan for LSS is. Is like when the last rune blade bites the dust, they'll go, guys. Now we can say we're very sorry. We never let it happen again. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, rune I think uh... were a mistake. I think what's going to happen is Roomblade is going to get weaker as equipment gets stronger. Oh, um, for sure. A hundred percent. I think we're going to start seeing equipment that just naturally has a B that you would run even in non a B matchups that, uh, that seems like where the game is headed in terms of balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It, it's weird. I, um, I've been looking at results. I don't really like the idea of an old meta game. It just seems very, uh, I don't know. Controlling metagames are weird to me. I don't know know what what, it is. You know what concerns me the most about this whole thing thing? Yeah. What is that? He has not been relevant in our meta for probably a year. Yeah, he was an I mean he was an auto loss. I have not played against old him in like months, like months, months. Like Everfest maybe at the beginning. Because Starvo took over the whole show for Guardian. Right. So I played against maybe a couple old hymns in between, but I haven't had any real testing. So what concerns me is like Oldham apparently is the top dog, according to some sources, but I have no testing against it. I need testing against it. If I'm going to be playing in the calling and winning the calling, it's you know, of course I'm gonna win the calling, duh. But <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, obviously. Um but if I am going to go and play the calling, I need testing. And I just, just like literally nobody who's playing Oldham right now. So I have to resort to either playing online or something uh, to test or getting somebody to build it and playing against them. Yeah. Um, uh, I think got, like infinite matches into Bravo that I have infinite <laughs> play, play testing for, but I don't, I, I have no test against uh, Oldham. It's weird. I I think the thing that bothers me about Oldham being so prominent all of a sudden is that uh, a lot of people are going to pick this deck up and you have to maintain a certain pace of play. And I I, like a lot of Oldham players that I know struggle with this. Oh, yeah. uh, We're constantly going to time. Um, And, uh, I think at the armory level, what's going to happen is we're going to start seeing significantly more draws, which I'm not necessarily stoked about. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like it, I feel like that is going to be the major downside of Oldham outside of the professional metagame. Yeah, that that's something that I really want LSS to work on moving forward is like designing heroes that um control right but without slowing the game to a halt like Icelander's very good at you know 
tempoing damage and control stuff with frostbites and auras, afflictions, right? So she balances all of those things. She's also a little weak to damage, unlike Oldham. So that's what keeps the game and the ball rolling. But Oldham kind of has it all. Oldham has like the big damage. He has the, the resources to block, right? But the problem is that his damage is slow and he can just block for days. So like, it's kind of like, I'm going to get you eventually, but I'm going to need 55 and a half minutes of your time. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, no, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a hundred percent the issue. Uh, you nailed it on the head. Um, and uh, you know, you, you mentioned Icelander is a great control deck and I know I kind of missed this when I was talking about the metagame earlier, but dash, um, is a very interesting control deck in that it can take over the game very quickly, uh, where you run a bunch of D reacts, you kind of sit back and then when it's time to go, you go. Um, and I really like this current dash build. That might be what I start taking mm -hmm. places. So, uh, so I don't I know. played against a little dash actually. I was playtesting um, on Fab Online actually, which is getting pretty popular these days uh, with uh, one of my local uh, players, one of our local players. Uh, and I haven't played against Dash in so long. Um, it was very weird to see the new builds. And actually, I got crushed, like actually crushed uh, the first two games we played. I didn't sideboard anything because I wasn't sure like what kind of Dash we're playing against yet you know, what the meta is looking like. And uh, it was just saw Teclo Pounder hit the field and they just kept sprinting. And it was like nonstop action. Absolutely. Uh, you know. Which is good. I think, um, I think it's good to have Dash in the meta. It's a, uh, it, there are very few decks in this game that can change roles on the fly. And uh, I think that is super important. I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think Dash definitely, for sure, is going to be part of this metagame at a higher tier than before. People oh, yeah. are uh, starting to pick her up more. Oh, absolutely. I mean, her weakness, obviously, uh, she seems to keep getting to the finals and losing control decks, which is very unfortunate. Um, but we'll see. I think it, the deck is just missing a card or two. We'll see what comes out in Dynasty. The uh, new Flesh and Blood set that has been announced. Um, and uh, we currently have four cards mm -hmm. uh, spoiled. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of Dynasty yet. They seem to be going in a lot of weird directions. Uh, I don't know. Matt, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, it's going to be the supplemental set for the year. And by the way, I thought I was going to dislike the um, the lack of sets in a year because the new the new system is one draft set and one supplemental set per year, but it's actually been working out great. Like I there, I have not had too much of my fill of uprising. We're getting to that point where like kind of like oh I'm kind of over it, but now we've got Dynasty to look forward to. So we're kind of just like okay, that's all good and dandy, you know? Um, yeah the lack of the extra set in the middle kind of feels like there's a void there like two draft sets per year um but it's it's fine you know it's it's working out i mean we technically had uh a supplemental set at the beginning of the year uh but that 
kind of was like, I don't know if they're going to keep doing two supplemental sets a year or it's going to be more like, uh, you know, moving forward only two sets per year after this, uh, after this year. But, um, but dynasty itself is like looking to be like a really cool set as far as like what we're expecting to see. Yeah. And I think they're gearing towards this like uh more UPF and more PVE tools because of like the effects of some of these things that we've been seeing. Like Crown of Dominion, which is a really cool legendary helmet. Yeah. So I I, I have kind of mixed feelings about uh it being a UPF focused set, right? Like um based on the spoilers we've seen so far, uh Crown of Dominion um seems to kind of work almost like uh like monarch in in magic the gathering based on just pure speculation um the imperial warhorn obviously a upf card uh the the emperor himself who we'll get to uh is very much a upf hero um and I, I I don't think this is a good idea for LSS to drop a UPF focus set. And I I know that UPF needs help. That's definitely a big part of it. And no one's playing UPF. And I don't think a set of UPF specific cards is going to change that. Um, I think the format needs to the format needs to start existing on its own before it gets specific products. Um, so because it's kind of it's it's goofy, I think, is the issue. Right. I think that this is only my my opinion is that this is only the tip of the iceberg, right? Um, we're only seeing a glimpse of what to look forward to. And we got to see part of that is the emperor and the cards tied to him, right? And the royal royalness of the emperor, right? So that's why we see like the Imperial Warhorn cares about who's royal right you have the command you have the uh crown of dominion makes your hero royal you have the gold token uh that's created we now finally see a gold token um so i mean yeah i guess so far it's very like upf uh dominant but i think i think we're definitely gonna see um pve come into play and the crown of dominion in my opinion uh, the royalness of like royal is just a kind of status that will allow you to gain benefits uh, from other cards. Kind of like the way the Imperial Warhorn turns uh, makes everybody sack a, a sacrifice a uh, a permanent. And now they're actually uh, updating their uh, formatting for card effects and stuff because they never had the word permanent in any card before. I don't believe I might be wrong. But it changes it from letting everyone choose what thing they destroy and then letting you choose them. So there might be card effects that, you know, get better because you're royal. Yeah. I mean, that that's another thing that's interesting, right? Is I think I, I don't think this set will save UPF. But if they do decide to go in the direction of this being a PVE set, which I think is the thing a lot of us want, right? A lot of us just want to play this weird hybrid of D and D and flesh and blood that I think a lot of us have been imagining since alpha investments kind of insinuated that something like that was happening. And 
if they do decide that this is going to be the set that introduces us to PVE, uh, I'm on board. I think that will be a shitload of fun. I'm all about that. I mean, I really hope so, too. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to believe that's the case, you know. Um, yeah. But we have so little to go off of right now. Right. The I, only things we have now is like gold's a thing now. Royal's a thing a now. Thing. Dual classing is apparently a thing. Uh, but apparently only the Emperor can dual class as far yes, as the lore is said. So we won't see another dual class. There is also the new keyword though. That is equip, which I think is interesting. What I think that means is it, it's it's just uh formatting for like card abilities. Um, but what I think it is is just like when the, you start the game with Crown of Dominion, but it also can translate to in a PVE match you equip the crown, right? Or like there's or even going with to Taylor. be right Taylor, yeah, of course, because um, Taylor introduced the inventory uh, formatting, like the word, like there's a, there's there's a way to there's a the phrasing, right? So equip is new phrasing for card abilities so i think equip is going to essentially be like when you start the game with it you get the gold or when you actually pull it from your inventory onto your head you get the gold yeah i think yeah that makes sense i mean we'll see this is very interesting right um so this is a five legendary set uh so we have two of them right we have the crown of dominion and then the emperor becomes our second legendary hero I'm still on the fence about that. I think they should have made him majestic with like a really sick Marvel version. I think that's the way to go. I really don't like the right. idea of heroes being inaccessible. And my 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 argument for this being like fine sort of is like if you're going to be playing UPF, you could just kind of print the damn thing out. Um no, I, I like, mean <laughs> uh, LSS I didn't mean uh, um I didn't print uh, a nice fan art of him and then look at it with saying, oh, I really wish I had Emperor. Oh, I'll buy more packs of Dynasty. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But, like, look, the guy asked you to run two Commander Conquerors in your deck. If you can't afford the legendary, damn it, you can't play him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, 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 the bar is to play Emperor. The bar is to 180 dollars that's the bar for now it might go up and maybe it's 200 dollars for uh, two command and conquers that's the minimum then you have to have an emperor and then from there you can just play all commons right whatever but you need to spend the cost of the emperor plus 200 dollars for command and conquers so this is the whale deck if you're gonna play it so yeah i guess he may as well be legendary Prism LLs, we need a new whale deck. <laughs> Here comes the Emperor. <laughs> yeah, we're, okay, so here's a real question. We didn't plan for this. What's the, here's a real question that I want to propose here. Now that Prism is LL'd, what hero is going to get all the judge promos? Oh, I think they're just going to... Uh, I think they're just going to give us... Um, I think we're just going to continually get weird adjudicator stuff. Like, I bet the Game next is. one's going to be a weapon. Um, much like they're <laughs> doing with Yorick. Oh man, that'd be weird. I kind of like know, the playable judge promos. Yeah, right. Or like the content creator promos. You know, like all the promos in the game were all the damn promos were illusionist light cards. 
Yeah. They, uh, it, which is weird. I mean, we will get another Light Illusion Illusionist. It's not like Prism's card pool was the problem. The problem was Luminaris. Um, yeah, that's definitely... I agree. So, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so... I do want to point, so the, we'll go back to the dual classing, right? So I know immediately when they dropped this, uh, and I, I saw, like, I, I know we were both considering it, that they were just going to, like, oh, okay, they, uh, they blew the game wide open. There's going to be a ton of dual classes. I'm kind of excited that they're like, no, only the Emperor. Because it's, you know, I mean, thank goodness, uh, because this game would have turned into, I mean, it would have turned into an entirely different game. So it's uh, a Dynasty Warriors? Well, you know what, that, it's interesting you bring this up, because uh, the set is called Dynasty, and it does look like we're getting two Warriors. Um, <laughs> Dynasty Warriors! <laughs> Dynasty Warriors, That's what very the PvE much. is, that's what the PvE is going to be. It's going to be like a horde of a thousand enemies, and you, when you swing in for your weapon for your attack, you kill like a hundred at once. I mean, the Emperor looks like Lu Bu. Uh, the new hero that we've seen pictures of is like a uh, he. He kind of looks like Guan Yu. Uh, mix. Well, you know what? He kind of looks like Zhang Fei from Dynasty War. I'm a huge Dynasty Warriors fan. Okay. In case you haven't figured I, that out, I'm gonna, I only like I'm gonna need you to like carry the the reference here because I actually have like no point of uh, point of reference for Dynasty. I Dynasty Warriors. I've never played a single game of Dynasty Warriors. Okay, so Dynasty Warriors is a mindless hack and slash game, and it's I've, beautiful yeah. in that it is very zen to play I, because I've, I've played. I've played uh, parallels of this of, of that game. I've played games that have copied the formula. Okay, so I'm gonna send you I'm on Wikipedia. Or I'm gonna send you in Discord in the background what I'm talking about here. Uh, so Zhang Fei is one of the main characters throughout all the games. I mean, every character has a direct historical allegory um, of the romance of the Three Kingdoms uh, era and like the feudal unification of China. Um, yeah, it is based off of like a classic novel about that time period called Romance of the Three Kingdoms, where uh, basically every historical figure gets just like uh, ridiculously overhyped. Um, so Zhang Fei is very clearly the uh, the inspiration for this new, I want to say, warrior um class because i mean he he might be a guardian right he's gonna be draconic based on his shoulder pads um and very Look. much from the beginning people saw like the uh the, like they saw so in the game and in romance of the three kingdoms there is like there is this warrior named Lu Bu, and he is just a. He is this guy that absolutely destroys people. Like he's just like the craziest warrior. He's the hardest character to unlock in every single game. Uh, like when he shows up on the battlefield, people just like start running uh, yeah. and screaming, "Oh my god, it's Lubu!" Uh, I'm vaguely familiar with the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, not entirely. So like all this, I'm, this is all new info. I've just I know who I know the name Lubu. I just didn't know his history. Well, so the uh, what's interesting, too, is like if you actually look up the historical figures, they look nothing like uh, the dynasty heroes that we're getting. But if you do look up the dynasty warriors, uh, Koei Tecmo game versions of the romance of the three kingdoms characters, uh, it is like it is dead on. It is it is ridiculous 
how close it is. Um, here, I'll send you. A, I'll send you a picture of Lu Bu to go with that picture of Zhang Fei. Um, oh man, it is the, dead yeah. on. Oh yeah, this is and, uh, this is Lu Bu from the uh, the Fate universe. Uh, that's so. That's the one I'm familiar with. What is the Fate universe? Uh, it's the Fate slash uh, like Stay Night anime series. But like, there's a whole extended universe. So I, I mean, I won't go into that. That's a whole nother. That that could be like an entire. Two oh, it's episode, like, it's like, kind of like it's anime, kind of like it's uh, your boy episode. Kong Ming. No, uh, to you be know fair, what I'm though, talking Kong about Ming, though. Yes, to be fair though, Kong Ming is also in the Fate universe. Every historical character is in the Fate universe, but that this is that we're totally side railing, and I could I could talk about the Fate universe for like straight like five hours. So. Oh, okay, I just enjoyed the that oh, they made sure. like that weird time travel anime with Zhuge Liang. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I haven't watched it's it. Your yet, boy but, Kong uh, it's, Ming. It's on my list. Um, yeah. And so I guess so. Obviously, we've gone off the rails a little bit, but uh, there's there's no way this is an accident, right? It's called Dynasty. Like, what? I mean, like, what's going on, James White? Why is this so obvious? This is really bizarre to me. Maybe he's just uh, a how big fan of Dynasty is. Warriors. Like he grew up maybe playing Dynasty Warriors at the local arcade or at home with the boys and you know, whatever New Zealand uh friends call each other, you know. I mean, definitely. I think that's a <laughs> it's hard to say. Uh well, having wrestling in the background, because he definitely likes wrestling. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, without a doubt. He a hundred percent does. So so we're getting the secondary character. Uh, I don't know where he's going to fit into the lore. I'm going to take a guess that he might end up being Kasai's dad. Uh, but I believe he's named, and I don't believe he has the same name as this hero. Uh, so I don't know. We'll find out. It's um, It's interesting. And then, I mean, obviously... I think it would be weird for us to just be getting three heroes, right? That seems a little low for any set we've ever gotten aside from Crucible. Right. Um, so my guess is we see a bunch of other heroes. Obviously, uh, the hero in question that I'm about to propose is not the Emperor, but it would be weird for us to not get a new adult hero. I think that is, I feel like that is important for their continued design space. Um, yeah, I think we will get an adult hero. That's almost certain. I mean, it's going to be a while before the next big set, and it would be very bizarre for them to just, okay, the metagame is going to get smaller and smaller until whatever it is, March. Um, so I don't know. I, I certainly hope that uh, that we do end up getting more heroes. However, under the hero section, of flesh and blood uh there is only one new hero listed um i don't know if that will change at some point but there's the emperor and then we have questions questions for the guy that's not zhang fei gotcha um yeah his weapon looks interesting it's kind of like a um what's the word for it a uh glaive is that is that a glaive i think that's correct I mean, it's either a glaive. It's not a pike because a pike straight, but um, it's not. Yeah, a it's, that's yeah. That is a glaive. I mean, yeah. I just wanted to, uh, y you know, I'm being an RPG player. I just was like, ah, it's a pole arm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's a pole. You grab which arm. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you uh, are correct. That is a glaive. That is so what are we that getting is called. A new weapon type. If he has it, maybe he bears, he, he wields the glaive, right? Maybe yeah. Have a new weapon type, two handed weapon, the glaive. You know. Well, so let's say theoretically, right, there are just these two heroes coming in the new set. Um, so James White did say that in this set, we will be getting a new class from the classes mentioned in the lore book, um, which is interesting to me. Because uh, I don't feel like any of these are glaive worthy. <laughs> no, um, we're definitely going to get something. They're, they're definitely holding stuff back for sure. I 100% doubt that this is the only new uh, hero we're going to get. Well, so I mean, so based on that, right, we are getting one of four. Uh, so there is Alchemist Assassin necromancer and cleric uh necromancer and cleric i don't think make a lot of sense necromancer maybe um uh but i think that assassin makes the most sense to me given the like idea of a rebellion and everything that's going on i mean alchemist is the easiest for them to implement a new hero without like having to completely reinvent a card pool from scratch that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me much like a because you know we're sick of merchants um <laughs> Well, nice guess what? we'll have another legendary merchant equipment to finish up the set. No, I doubt. I doubt we will. You know, I feel like it's got to be assassin. Like it, it makes the most sense. And, um, you know, cleric and necromancer will be in their own set. It'll make sense together. Cleric and necromancer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, assassin, it's got to be assassin. This emperor's going to get assassinated. And, uh, you know, they're hyping up this whole dynasty thing. He's talking about, I'm the one and only, you know, he's going to get killed. Duh. Absolutely. Um, and we will have a new emperor or a fallen kingdom, which we will have to resolve part of the storyline with. Um, who knows? That is true. We are getting, uh, we are getting new stories for, I mean, uh, Phi and Jermai the day of, or the day before, uh, Dynasty gets released, which why, is interesting. Why don't we ride this, uh, little speculation wave here, right? What's the, what's the outcome of the story of the, the, the Three Kingdoms? Romance of the Three Kingdoms. What happens to Lubu? Oh, I, I mean, he, he eventually gets, uh, he eventually gets captured. Uh, and like executed, but like he's like old at that point. Um, yeah, but he was a warrior, or was he the emperor? Lubu. Oh, Lubu is kind of like a. He's like a hired gun. He like um. He's like strong enough of a of like a warrior that he um like has his own followers, but he follows this guy named Dong Zhuo, who is like not incorporated with any of the other three kingdoms. Um, and basically what happens is like after Duong Zhou dies, he still is like enough of a warrior where he has people that follow him. Uh, and he, he like takes, uh, he takes shelter with Lu Bei. Um, and then eventually, uh, he, uh, he gets, he gets killed, uh, after switching allegiances like three times. Um, huh. I do think, uh, I mean, I think Zhang, if I remember correctly, uh, Zhang Fei or Zhang Fei, uh, I believe he just, um, 
He just, uh, oh, so that's what's in, okay, yeah, all right, okay, that's what it is. Um, Zhang Fei, who is the right-hand man of, um, of Liu Bei, who, if I'm not mistaken, ends up winning the, uh, War of the Three Kingdoms. I really gotta, like, refresh myself on this. Um, yeah, but his right, getting... his right-hand man getting... is Zhang Fei, and he gets assassinated. Mm -hmm. okay. So there. Boom. I, I was just getting like trying to get to like maybe where like a point where you say maybe the emperor is assassinated or killed. No, but it's but like, the the guy that the other hero is modeled after gets assassinated. Oh, there you go. Boom. Assassins confirmed. Done. <laughs> I was just trying to tie in assassin somehow, and we just made it work. It's awesome, right? Um. I definitely think the outcome of this storyline is just going to be all this infighting becomes rendered insignificant uh, with the threat of like the Shadowlands or whatever the hell they're working on over there. And the monastery. Let's go. Fuck shit up. Yeah. More room blades. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, uh, well, well, you know, we don't necessarily need uh, the demonastery to make new room blades. It's Briar. Briar is not even anything related to the demonastery. Yeah. And somehow I, I, she's classified as a rune blade. I think I, I I actually think that that is when we end up getting like cleric and necromancer. That makes the most sense to me. Yeah, um, that would be really cool. So we shall see. We shall see. I'm excited. Uh, I do like that we're finally getting a green set. We were kind of using a lot of reds, oranges, and browns. Uh, so it is nice to get. I mean, it's not quite green, but it's close enough. It's like a patina. Um, so I, I have noticed that uh, with the announcement of this set, uh, prices have kind of gone all over the place for warrior and wizard cards uh, for people getting ready to play the new whale deck. Um, I don't know, Matt, you said you were trying to pick some up. Were you successful at all? Yeah, I uh, got a Brave Forge Bracers in the mail. Paid 53 bucks, and they're down to 48 but that's okay. No, yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's a great price. I paid 55 for mine a couple years, like, a, I guess a year ago. Um, wow, that must have been really low a year ago. Surprising. Yeah, it was. It was right before uh, Warrior, like, Warrior was dead at the time. I paid 60 bucks for my Valiant Dynamos as well, and it was just, uh, it was great. Wish I did uh, that was, too. I was just, oh, I'm going to play uh, Kasai and Blitz because she looks cool. And then they gave Kasai a whole ton of cards, um, which was pretty awesome. Maybe we get a new Kasai card, adult Kasai, and then you said that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Here you go. Uh, let's get even. Let's get a little bit. Let's get a little bit further down the lore road. I so I just I brought this up in the background. I was waiting for it to load um, before we get into the finance. There's one more thing I wanted to bring up. Number one, Kasai's story is grayed out. Um, that's important. But number two is that she was once the daughter of a powerful general. Uh, she was the heir to her father's legacy. And uh, she lost everything in a single night when her father was overthrown by his own lieutenant. Uh, it would be interesting if the Centauri sellsword Kasai hero we have uh, 
Well, it's, it's interesting because, uh, like, in her little history, like, the thing she says in the end, right, uh, is that the generals are growing increasingly aggressive in their quest for power. She senses an opportunity to raise an army, overthrow the traitor lieutenant, and free her family. Um, it would be interesting if, instead, like, instead of multi-classing, we get heroes that exist in multiple classes uh so you know like an assassin kasai is certainly possible oh that would be actually cool uh so we'll see um i know like a lot of the heroes like their timelines aren't necessarily clear which i think is interesting as well like a lot of people think ira is like from thousands of years before the rest of the game mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't know it's pretty uh it's pretty interesting, but yes, sorry, back no, to the prices. Absolutely, yeah, it's all good. I think that, uh, I think Kasai being tied into the story is going to be really good if she is. I think she has to be, right? Like, why do you have, um, it's weird for them to have, like, a hero that's, like, obviously from this area that's not tied into the story. I feel like it's also weird that Kano hasn't been tied into the story yet since he's, like, a member of the ruling class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, so back to prices, uh, <laughs> jarring transition, the, the fun stuff, the fun stuff. Depends um, on who you ask. <laughs> so what's interesting is the thing that has spiked the most. And I think this is, there's a two pronged reason for this, right? Is that uh storm striders is back up around 160 um, I think this is because suddenly Icelander is a playable in CC and B the emperor, uh, is probably not going to wear valiant dynamos. Um, probably, probably that would be bizarre. That said though, people are prepared for it. Valiant dynamo is back up to its skirmish season price of 115, uh, which is interesting. So I don't know. I, we're seeing all sorts of wizard and warrior cards spike. I don't necessarily know if this has any impact on the majestic market because I really there aren't a lot of wizard or warrior cards that I follow. Um, I mean, I guess theoretically. uh, Aether Wildfire uh, could be seeing something and I mean, it it really hasn't moved in price at all. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Uh, the Aether Wildfire extended art is currently. $93. $93. Yeah, that's about where it's been, though, right? Like, is that, yeah, is that correct? it's relatively unchanged. It's had some minor changes up and down throughout the time. Uh, I'm still really sad that Pulverize continues to dive. <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, very uh, demotivating. But uh, if you have Aether Wildfires, you're doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing 100% all right. Um, so uh, with, uh, with other emperor related news, I was thinking for sure that, uh, blood of the Drakai would recover a little bit, uh, with the emperor being announced. And I mean, it, it went up $4, which is like not a lot considering it, uh, it was down to 70. It sold as low as 68 on TCG player at one point. Um, in a deck that forces you to play only reds, this seems like a uh, a no-brainer, right? but I guess you're not playing enough Draconics. Maybe not. Maybe not. But he is Draconic, right? 
yes, he is draconic. He is a royal draconic warrior wizard. That's a mouthful. It is. Um, it kind of makes you wonder, right? Do you think we see a new Kano? And then this other guy's a draconic warrior. It's, I, it's very interesting, right? There's, there's almost too much to think about in directions they could go. Um, but it would make sense for there to be a partially shared card pool, even though this is an undraftable set. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if they will complete the cycle uh, and they'll give us like Valda specialization, genus specialization. Oh, they really should. They re that's, that's great. I think they should do that. You know, like how Everfest gave us uh, crucible specs. I think yeah. that would be cool. Um, so let's see. So the other thing though, as well, uh, none of the other fables necessarily would go into this deck. I mean, I have Ophidia can't be played in it. Uh, I don't think any of the other ones count as red cards. No, um, you can't. Yeah. So it'd just be Blood of the Drakai. So the other thing we have seen is that uh, Bracers has remained steady. You picked yours up. Uh, and I, it's interesting. Alluvian Constellus actually uh, has gone up significantly. And I think that is very interesting. Um. So last we checked two weeks ago, this was a $23 card. Uh, it had absolutely bottomed out, and now it is up to $35, um, which is still low for a legendary, but that is not an insignificant price jump. Uh, that shows a, an increased demand for this card, and I don't know if it's people preparing for a CC Icelander mirror match. I don't know if it's people specking uh, on the future of what could possibly be happening with the warrior. I still think that you would want to run flame scale furnace, which has also seen a jump that was at 79 when we last checked. It's now an $89 card. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, it's weird. It's uh, a lot of, I think whenever they announce a new hero, like you can expect those legendaries to go up in price significantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, tr truthfully, I don't think it's worth like, speculating on anything yet unless you know something we don't know <laughs> but it's like the the guy's a legendary he's a young hero so the actual competitive applications are extremely limited i don't expect him to be that great but um but moving forward though when we start to get into spoiler season really expect a lot of variations and movement in the market for sure absolutely um and uh i it's it's interesting as well right i uh with the return of oldham to the top of the list i was kind of expecting heart of ice and uh and stalagmite to have gone up in price and they both did by a couple dollars but nothing too crazy um i think more than anything the uh the card that has seen I don't have the math in front of me, but percentage wise, the legendary that has seen the highest jump since we last talked about prices is uh Teclo Foundry Heart. Um it was $82 and it is now at 100, which is a a very significant jump for this card that is in my I mean it's directly correlated with Dash's playability. It is really the only barrier to entry cost-wise in playing Dash and CC. 
And uh, I don't know, it's pretty good. At the same time, uh, with the meta shifting, uh, with Prism's LL, um, you know, I figured Footsteps would stay the same. Uh, people that play Illusionist like to play Illusionist. And uh, Footsteps is still around 180 bucks. It is still the most expensive legendary. Um, but what is interesting is the Tiger Stripe Shuko has dropped significantly as people have stopped playing Phi um, in this new meta where he is just not as big of a threat as he used to be. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, and also on top of that, um, Prism is allowed and the need to uh, go around prevention effects, particularly uh, the popping of every, every single shield that a Prism has in play uh, isn't as necessary anymore. It's very true. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it, it, everything else has been pretty steady. Uh, I personally have picked up a couple legendaries since we last spoke. Uh, one of those was Husk. I was anticipating some kind of shadow hero. Uh, when we last spoke, it was at 60 bucks, which is what I picked it up for. It is now up to 75. Uh, I think a lot of people are anticipating the return of some type of shadow hero. Uh, and so I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's very interesting to me to see how the market is reacting to new news. Um, while at the same time, the market cap in general on legendaries has stayed the same. So what we are seeing is uh, the game isn't getting very many new players, which I wouldn't expect two months after a new set release. Um, but what we are seeing is people are reclassing and they are selling legendaries. They are buying other ones. And that is reflected directly in the prices. Uh, well, we're seeing that with Fables as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, everyone's getting their legendaries they need for the hero, and they're getting ready to lock in their decks, at least in America here, because Nats is coming up. Nats and Calling is coming up in about two weeks. Yeah, um, it is. So people are preparing for that. Uh, I can't really speak for markets uh, across the, the world, but um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's more than just that. You know, there's other events going on as well, but for the most part, everyone's looking forward to that. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and so it's interesting to see, uh, you know, that amount of people that are bought in staying the same, uh, as the cards change. Um, so the, uh, really the only big news this week outside of that is it would appear that everybody that attends worlds, uh, will be getting a, uh, what's his name? A Yorick specialization card. Um, Oh and, yeah. Uh, so what's interesting, right, is that uh, the the text on this: each other hero chooses and creates a token that hasn't been chosen. Aether Ashwing, embodiment of Earth, embodiment of Lightning, Ponder, Quicken, Rune Chant, Seismic Surge, Soul Shackle, Spectral Shield, and Zen State. Um, Ponder tokens, huh? Ooh, uh, yeah. Mm, I wonder what that's all about. Uh. It's pretty weird. Uh, I definitely think that it is going to be innately tied into one of the new hero. I mean, I, I, my guess is that it's more tied into a card than a new hero. Um, I don't well, know. I mean, there's the seer, like you said. There is right? the seer. Seers see things and they ponder upon, you know, they orbs. do see, they do ponder. Uh, 
Yeah, that is actually, that is a very interesting point. So perhaps Seer uh, might be the new class that we're getting. Um, but then, I don't know, did they end up giving us two new classes? It's just, it's weird to me that... The Assassin's uh, not in, we were totally, we were getting bamboozled, you know? I don't know. Yeah, maybe J-Dubs was just wrong. Or maybe Assassin's Ponder on their actions. That or seems maybe he's a wrong. wizard. That's true. He could be a wizard. That and is interesting. Wizards don't have a token. Huh. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. All right. That does it for this week's Pitch Stack podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.